This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Now, if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 62. And we'll be reading there from verse 7 through 11. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to reiterate what we're, we, uh, we are speaking on or teaching on, and Minister Martin kicked us off a couple of weeks ago, on authority in God's house. And, you know, he mentioned this, and I, and I keep mentioning it as well. It's, it's all about God's house. You know, everything that he's done is for a purpose, and it's about his house. And it's about bringing us into relationship and fellowship in his house. And so, you know, I want to go over the, the objectives that I want to touch on in this teaching again. Just to make sure. So I want you to listen for these things. I won't necessarily say, hey, here's the answer to this objective. I want you to listen throughout the teaching. And when you hear it, make sure you're making note of these things. You know, that's why it's always good to go back and listen to the messages from the weeks before. And, 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 and getting yourself, re- especially when you're, when you're about to come to church, you know, again tonight. Go ahead and get the, the, the last week in your system from the week before so that you can be refreshed. Keep these things on your mind. So again, my objectives were, number one, to learn what authority is. And that's going to be a lot of review because Mr. Martin touched on this. But like I said, I feel it's pertinent that we review these things every time we go through because authority is God's principle, right? And the principles come line upon line. You have to always start from that principle. If you forget to go back to that principle of authority and think that you're in right standing with God, I'm telling you, you're out. All right, so we have to always go back and make sure we have our foundation. So again, our objectives are to learn what authority is, and then to learn when it was set up by God. And then the last one is to learn why authority was set up. Why is it so important? It's for a purpose. So again, authority, what, when, and why? Okay, what is authority? When was it set up by God? And why was it set up? What was its purpose? And again, we're going to do a little review on what authority is. And first and foremost, we'll say it again, and uh, um, Minister Martin said it, authority is power. Authority has the final say. What authority says, listen, they have the final word on the matter. What they say goes. And we found out from Minister Martin's teaching that God is the authority. He has the final word. And if we're in Psalm chapter 62, I'm going to read from verse 7 through verse 11. And it says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Verse 7 through 11. And it says, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie, to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Verse 11. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth to God. Hallelujah. All power belongs to God. And we learned previously from previous teaching what power, there are two types of powers in the Bible. There's exousia and there's dunamis. And, and we were told that exousia means the right to rule. And, and, and mind, that I, mind that I tell you, you know, exousia and dunamis, those, those are two different types of power. And like I just said in the verse, but God has spoken once. And twice have we heard it. All exousia, all dunamis belongs to God. And so again, exousia is the right to rule. It's the right to control. And dunamis is the might, the ability to act, the power, the, the, the might to make things happen. And God has all of those things. 
And then we also learned that some, some people may have been delegated with the exousia. Some people may have been dele delegated with the dunamis. But God does all the delegation because he has both. God is all-powerful. He has all authority. All power belongs to God. When, we speak, when he speaks, we hear through his right to act and his might to act. That's how we hear. That's why he's the creator, right? The creator has all, he has the right to do it. Whatever he says, the might to, and he does it. So when we hear, we should obey. For he is the creator. He has all power. And then we went into last week, what makes God the authority? And a very important statement is, his throne is established on his own authority. His throne is established upon the fact that there is no one greater than he is. That means he's done the work to establish his throne all by himself. He didn't need any, that's, like I said last week, when he, when he said in the Bible, when he swore to Ab he, when, he, when he made the covenant of Abraham, he swore by himself because there's none greater than he. He does all the work. All the work comes directly from his throne. You think of all the different dispensations, and we talked about this last week, and it says in, in Hebrews, in sundry times, he talked, to the, uh, he talked to the fathers by the prophets. And then when Jesus came, he was here, he talked about Jesus. But now he talks to us, and Jesus sends the Spirit to us. But in each dispensation, it's still God doing all the work. Whether we're being led by the Spirit or not, it's still God in us, establishing his own throne. Like we said last time, that's, that's why we have to cease from our own works. That's why we have to quit with, you know, I, I can do my own thing. No, God establishes his own throne. That's what makes him, uh, that's what makes him the authority. Because there's nobody else that has the, the exousia and the dunamis to establish their own throne. There's no one else that has all power but God. That's what makes him the authority. You know, uh, you know, you, people ask, in, in the Bible, in John chapter 6, they ask, you know, what, what, what is the work of God? And God says the work, actually Jesus says that the work of God is that we believe on him whom he has sent. And, and the, basically what he says is, you don't have to do nothing but believe. All the work is what I'm going to do. I think of the covenant that he made with Abraham. Abraham just could sit there and be still when God made that covenant. I'm doing the work. I'm bringing you in. All you have to do is believe. If, all you have to do is submit and believe. Listen, believing is submitting to Christ. That's all you have to do. And then guess what? Just like he established David's throne, you'll be in his kingdom. You'll be in his house. Submitting to God. Submitting to Christ. So like I said, God's authority represents himself. And that means since he's all-powerful, since, since he's the authority, any delegated authority under him needs to be followed as well. Going against his delegated authority is going against God himself. He's all-powerful. He's delegated that authority. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 13. We'll read this again. And I want you to remember, when, when God arranges a thing, like delegated authority or anything, when God arranges a thing, and I said it before last week, it becomes unlawful to change it. The only one that can change it is God. Romans chapter 13. And I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 again. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, or submit unto the higher authorities. That's what powers are. But there is no power or authority but of God. 
the powers or authorities are that be are ordained of God. And we said what ordained means? They're arranged in an orderly and a divine matter and a divine arrangement by God. So whosoever resisted, whoever puts themselves in opposition against that authority, resists the divine and orderly arrangement of God. And then it says, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. God's divine orderly arrangement. His ordinances were set up by His, by His authority. Anybody to resist that is to resist God Himself. We have to keep in mind God has arranged His a divine and orderly system for us to govern our lives by, and it's all arranged according to His purpose. It's all arranged according to His system of authority. And again. We asked, and the question was, when was it set up? It was set up before the very beginning. So that he can establish his house, his throne, his kingdom, in your heart by his power, by his authority. And so we asked that question, when was authority set up? And we went to Colossians, I'm not going to read that all again, but I do want to touch on the, the, the characteristics of Christ here in Colossians chapter 1 and you can make note if you weren't here last week or if you didn't hear the previous message Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 through 20 and it's talking about the preeminence of Christ and it shows the, the characteristics of Christ number one was he's the very image of God but here's the thing about it right the express image of God he was that from the very beginning it wasn't like the God the Father was there and he was like well let me create a son and then give him my image no he was the very express image from the beginning it says in, in Colossians, he's the firstborn over creation. And again, we said that, that denotes two things. He was there before all of creation, and he was sovereign over all creation. That means, I was there before it, and guess what? I was over creation. It says all things were made by him. He's the creator of the universe. And not only that, not only were all things created by him, but he upholds them by the word of his power. All things continue to exist through him. It calls him the head of the church. You know, the body of Christ, who we are. The firstborn from the dead. He was declared with power to be the Son of God when he was resurrected. The first one, the first one to be, born, to, to be resurrected with an immortal body. In him the fullness of the Godhead dwells. It calls him the reconciler, right? The reconciler of all things. Through Christ, God will reconcile to, reconcile to himself all things. Through Christ. See, his, his throne is, is established on his own authority. It's through Christ that we're reconciled to God. He takes the initiative. He does the work, and then he finishes it. And what do we say in Colossians? That's just to show us that it's all about Christ. It is all about Christ. In God's house, it's all about Christ. He's to be preeminent in your life. In God's divine order and arrangement, the system that he wants us to arrange our life by, God is to be, uh, Christ is to be at the head of that. He is to head up all things. His restoration in us is, is centered on Christ being at the head. 
And remember, his authority is all about restoring. It's all about restoration. It's all about his house. And like I said, it's before the beginning of time. So let's go ahead and turn back to Genesis. I'm going to try my best not to go through it all again. But it's so good to see the authority of our God, even in creation. Because like I said, even in Genesis and in, in creation, it, his, his authority leads us all the way from, from there to Christ. From the very beginning. So I'm going to start at verse 1 again. And I, like I said, I'm not going to uh, go over everything that I did last week, but we will touch on this again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, in the beginning, I have to stop again. I'm sorry. Because when I see that, I immediately begin, I, I begin to think of John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. See, and that's why it says right here, in the beginning, God, remember I told you, that's Elohim. Because guess what? The Word was with Him. That El, what we said, that's the strong and mighty God, and Elohim is the plurality of the Word of God. The Word was with Him. From the very beginning. Listen, from the, before, we say beginning, when we think beginning, we think the beginning of creation here. But if, we're talking about from the, before, before He created time. Before he said, okay, now let's start. Because, because you know, we start things, you know, but God is, he's the God of eternity. In the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heaven and the earth. And then we went to verse 2 and it said, the earth was without form and void. And now this time, I'm, you know, we saw that, that those words, uh, form and void, and we saw what those meant in the, in the Hebrew language. We saw that, um, we saw that the, without form, that meant that that, that was the Hebrew uh, phrase tohu, which means to lie in waste and to be desolated and to be in confusion. And that void was the, the Hebrew word bohu, which means empty or indistinguishable. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. My God doesn't make anything desolate. He doesn't make anything empty. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So, I'm going to tell you what I believe. From verse 1 to verse 2, something happened. There's been creation. Something happened. Now the earth is without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. See, something was, in that realm, something was out of whack spiritually. And I'll go ahead and tell you my belief. What happened was, the enemy rebelled and got his butt kicked out and fell down. And, and it caused all type of, it, it threw everything out of whack. So, verse 2, and the earth was without form. And void. Tohu and bohu. That was the state. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Now, that, that's what I love about it, right? There's darkness upon the face of the deep. And we saw what that darkness meant last time when I looked it up and I told you it was misery, destruction. Sorry, it was upon the face of the deep. And my God, like I said, he initiates. He moved upon the face of the deep. <laughs> you know, the God of light, he went to that darkness and began to move. And I said, you know, this is to liken ourselves to, to Tohu and Bohu, our spiritual condition. Before God has shown his light to us. We're desolate. We're empty. And then God says, you know what, I'm going to initiate. I'm going to send my son for you. I'm going to move on that darkness. 
He initiates the restoration. That same authority that brought the, brought the world out of, out of its confusion, spiritually. And, and that's what's so beautiful about it, right? It, it lines right up, right? Because he's, he's bringing to, before he starts working on the, the planet and the solar system physically and stuff, he's bringing to order the spiritual realm. Just like he, he brings our spirit to life first. And then what does authority do once he does that? He sets boundaries. <laughs> once your spirit is alive, he's like, okay, now I can, go to, I can go to work on the planet, right? I can go to work on, let's, let's, let's set boundaries on your flesh now that, you, now that your spirit's alive to me. And that's what he's doing here in creation. See, I, and I hope you're, you're, you're following along because <clears throat> creation here, his authority here, it's all about restoration. I know it's creation, but it's about restoration. He's bringing things back to, listen, to in the beginning. And then, in verse 4, oh, I'm sorry, in verse 3 it said, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And, and I, I, I want you to remember this, I, and I said it last week. I want you to understand that if God didn't say let there be light, there would have been perpetual darkness on the earth. He's the one that's given us the light. If he hadn't sent his son, listen, from the foundation of the world, if he hadn't set up his system of authority from the sun, listen, we would be in perpetual darkness. There would be nothing we could do. We would be men most miserable. Wretches undone. But through his son, through that light that he has brought us, he has made us more than conquerors. Hallelujah. And then in verse 4, he made a difference between light and dark. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. See, what did I tell you? Authority sets boundaries. He's like, listen, here's the light and here's the darkness. Now, like I said, he's bringing to, he's bringing to order some things that got out of whack in the spiritual realm because darkness had covered it. So he brought the light and he said, let me divide it for you. Because I've called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. So he sets boundaries. Just like he sets boundaries in our lives. Why? So that proper choices can be made. And then it says, in the evening and the morning were the first day. I'm sorry. And God called the light day, verse 5, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And I had to touch on that. Again, last week I touched on it. We were, he's not talking about a 24-hour period of, of light to darkness. I want you to remember, this is all about his redemption plan. This is all about our restoration. You know, I just, I just said it. He's called us out of the kingdom of darkness into his, the kingdom of his dear son. It's all about restoration. And then, like I said, once he brings things into order in the spiritual realm, that's when he starts to get to work on the planet. That's when he begins to work in, on, on, on bringing balance to the planet and the, so, the solar system. And again, just like us. Just like us. Once our spirit becomes alive, once he has brought order to our spirit, man, he begins to work on us. He begins to give us boundaries. And that's what he does. Verse 6 through 10, it says here, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the, the, waters, from the waters. 
And God made the firmament and divided the waters from which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. See, again, by the word of his power, he says these things, and they just happen. See, man has, we don't have that type of power. What we have to do, we have to, listen, we have to plan, we have to make a hypothesis, we have to do, we have to, God, that's, listen, for the one who has all exousia, all dunamis, listen, all creation obeys the sound of his voice. You know, I think of, when he created the plants, right? And they're talking about all the, the herb yielding seed and, the, and the, 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 seed, uh, the, uh, the seed bearing fruit and things like that. You know, he, he commanded them to reproduce after their own kind. And you know, sometimes, you know, there, there's animals that come and eat the fruit and then they take it somewhere and it, go, and it goes in the ground and things like that. And sometimes maybe, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, an insect will come and get something and pollinate something somewhere. But if an animal doesn't come and get it, if that fruit stays right there on the tree, what amazes me, because I've been watching it now, and if you've seen it now, you've seen your trees come back to life now. And this, it, what amazes me is that fruit flesh, it'll rot off, and then the seed will drop to the ground, and it'll, be, it'll begin all over on its own. You know why? Because God has spoken once. And twice has all of creation heard it. All exousia and all dunamis belongs to God. See, they follow the sound of his voice, even to this day. Creation does. And, and, and the only one in, in, in God's creation that, that, that hasn't picked up on this is mankind. And we told you why. And, and, and it said it in, in verse... Let's go ahead and jump up to, to verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Uh, I can't. Let us again keep that in mind, right? Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God. Keep that. Let us make man. We're going to return to that later. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He him, male and female. Created he them. So, so again, he made them after his image. But again, like I said last week, God is God is not a man. He's not a he's not a body. He's not a flesh. He's spirit. So when they're talking about his image, they're talking about the character of God. Because there's no listen. We we don't have. He didn't make us just spirit down here on this earth. We have a body, and that listen. He doesn't look anything like that body. He's spirit. So it's his characteristics, like I said. His, true, his righteousness and his holiness. That's the image. See, because when he breathed into when he created us, he created us distinctly different from all of the other creations. He gave us a soul. He gave us, you know, in that soul comes our will, our desires. And so as, as the one in authority, he sets the boundaries so that our will and our desires become his. And that's what he's done here in creation. Let us make man after our image and after our likeness. So again, it's not this flesh that should should bear God's image or likeness. No way. It's our soul that should. 
See, that's, that's why the Bible says you got to command your soul to bless the Lord. The soul is the thing that's being saved day by day. Listen, the soul is the reason his authority is here to restore you. It's restoring your soul. And again, like I said last week, it's, you know, the soul is a very important part of your, of, your, of your makeup because in your soul is your ability to choose. And I said that's, that's critical in the house of God because in the house of God, when it comes to authority, that means there's going to be submission. And submission is always by choice. So he gave them dominion and stewardship of the earth. As his representative, because why? He, they have his image, his likeness. Told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now, when he told them that, because I want you to understand, they're not physically in the garden now, but he gave the command to be fruitful and multiply. What he's doing is he's placing man into his system of authority. That we can be fruitful just like the planet. But again, his intent is not just to be an offspring like the animals or, or the, the plants of this planet, but he wants, to, he wants you to be fruitful with what he's brought you, with his character, with his image. And let's jump to Genesis chapter 2, same page, next column over there, verse 15. And, God took, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress, dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So, God commanded him. Verse 16. Commanded the man, of, uh, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But in the tree of the midst of the garden thou shalt not eat. For the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. So he's introducing him directly authority now. How, how do I know that? Because he gave him a command. Now, not only are you a part of the system of authority that I put on this planet, but now you're, listen, you're in God's house. Because you're falling under my authority. We're in relationship. We have fellowship. And he submits to the authority of God in this house. As you see, he gives him the command to, you know, to, 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 to name the animals. And he submitted, he began to do what God told him to do. So like I told you, at this point, he's in God's house. He's submitted. He has fellowship. He has relationship with God. He's received a command from God. He's picked up. And listen, he went straight to it. And then verse 21 through 25, we see that the, the, the guy caused him to go into a sleep, uh, deep sleep, and he gave him a wife. And that's, you know, I have to mention it again because God's system, when he's, the orders, the, the, the principles, the things that he set up, the arrangements that he does, the powers, the authorities that he does, listen, those are the things that we have to govern our lives by. So this is another order. This is another one that he set up. Marriage. It's a covenant. And in marriage, there's a, listen, there's a line of authority. He's introducing them. He's like, let me, let me take it a bit further for you. You know why? Because authority is, uh, it's, all for his, uh, it's all for our restoration. So he said, let me take it a bit further for you. I'm gonna, you're going to be in this covenant with your wife. And as the head, you're going to lead. You're going to be the authority as you receive it from God. 
and your wife, she's going to submit. And I, that doesn't mean just follow you as, as, just follow you as you take the home. It's just follow you as you follow God. Undergird you and influence you as you follow God, as you're taking the direction in the way that God has for this home. So he's introducing them to a system of authority. And then chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. So like I said, you know, man is, we've all been given this divine center of choice. And it can be real dangerous, even if you're in the house, if you're not submitting. Real dangerous. Because again, when, when God arranges a thing, it becomes unlawful for any man to change it. So, verse 1 through 6, let me read this here. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the, he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it. I have to stop there because God just spoke this to me, right? Because the heart of true submission, he should have said from the, tree, from, from the tree of the midst of the garden, We shall not truly eat. But she said, God said we can't eat from it. Yeah, God did say it, but have, have you made it yours? God said we couldn't eat from the tree. See, you already, that's why, see, full submission, you, you have to hear the things that you say, right? Full submission, and, and you don't even realize, you're saying, yeah, God said we couldn't eat from there. I didn't say that. And let me tell you something, the devil heard that. <laughs> he played with it from that moment on. And the woman said unto the, terp- the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, comma, ye shall not eat. Everybody have a comma in their Bible right there? God has said, break, not me. I mean, it don't get no more simpler than that. God has said, because, you know why? Because she, she was intrigued with this, this rebellion that was brought to her. Because he's going to tell her, you'll be his God. Because you know, you know, everybody who's out from under submission from God, the main thing is you want to be as God. It's idolatry, right? You want to put yourself, when I say be as God, you want to be the authority. When I say the authority, I mean you want to go against what God has said. Oh, we can go for, it, it can be in anything. Right? Guess, let me help you, right? Because you talk about authority in God's house, everybody thinks in these four walls. Listen, if you're having sex outside of marriage, you're not submitted to God's authority. You are out from under his authority. Because uh, when God ordains something, it becomes unlawful for anybody to change it. I don't care who does it in the world. I don't care who says it's okay. I don't care who says, but God loves everybody and you can do what you want. But that's not what God says. When God, when the authority ordains the thing, it becomes unlawful for anybody but God to change it. But no, you know. What did he promise you? You will be as gods. Oh, I want that. I want to be as God. Again, like last week, it reminds me of the, the, the origin of sin. 
Satan, what did he say in Isaiah? I, I will be like I will be like the Most High. That listen, that's that's the principle of of rebellion. That's what gives rise to sin. I'll be like the Most High. I'll be like God. So let me do something against God so that I can be in His position. If I'm going to be like God, if I'm going to be God, then I have to go against the one that's calling himself God. If I'm going to be like the Most High, if that's going to be me, then whatever the Most High is doing, whatever the one who's calling himself the Most High, I got to go against it. That's, listen, that's what, it's first that principle of rebellion that gives rise to sin in you. God says that I can't do a thing, but I want to do a thing. I'm going to be God, so I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to do the sin. God says I can't have sex outside of marriage. You begin to question, why can't I? It'll be all right. I I can repent. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm God. I'm going to do it, and we'll be fine. And that goes for anything. I'm just using sex outside of marriage, but that goes for anything. Anything, when God has ordained something, it's not just within these four walls. And again, like I told you, the enemy was just just lying. Adam, Adam lost fellowship. He lost relationship. And the guy said, it's because of the counsel you took from, the, from your wife. You know why? Because I arranged something. And you're supposed to come get your counsel from me. You step outside of authority. As a matter of fact, you've got your counsel already. I gave you a command. And then you heard the counsel of your wife and listen, and said you're going to be like God. And did what you wanted to do. Lost fellowship, lost relationship, in much need of restoration. That's, you know, a lot of people. And a lot of good-hearted people, you know, say, you know, I, I'm going to serve God, but you know, I don't, you know, I don't believe what the church is saying. And I don't believe what the Bible saying. Especially they slap that name King James on it. You don't know what's done to it. And then they use that as an excuse to do what they want to do. But then, in the midst of that sin, but I have a heart for God, and I want to serve God. But I can't do it here because the church is, the church, y'all, you're following, you're following this religion. You're not following God. You're following this. And I'm like, but this is God's word. I I thought you believed God's word. See, because, yes, this is a different translation. But let me tell you something. God's word has been there before the translation. (laughs) It's been true before the translation. And let me tell you something. The stuff that you're talking about, the translation don't make no difference. You know, like sex outside of marriage, it's the same in every language. 
and then turn around and try to preach God's word. Let me tell you something. You can think that you are in line with God all you want to, but if you are not submitted to him, it's not service unto God. It's service unto you. When I say submitted to him, I mean submitted to Christ. Listen, submitted to his word. Anything that's contrary to what his word says, it's a grand violation to go against. Listen, let me give you another word because we say, you know, it's unlawful. It's it's sin. Plain and simple. It gives rise to sin. So if you want to be in service of God, first you have to make sure that you are fully submitted. Submitted to his line of authority. Don't don't forget this. God speaks to his line of authority. That's that's what I'm saying. A lot of people, I can't I can't go to church. I'm like, well, how are you hearing? I can't go to church. I can't. But I, I, how are you hearing? What are you listening to? See, because when you become your own authority, you begin to set your own boundaries. Thank you, God. You begin to set your own boundaries. By what seems right to you. What seems okay to you. I'm sure in the garden, a piece of fruit doesn't seem dangerous. But God said, don't touch. Because guess what? Adam and Eve didn't see the results. They didn't know the results. All they thought, all they heard was, we'll be as gods. They didn't know it would be a loss of fellowship. It would be a loss of relationship. Now, I don't understand what you think it could have been when you thought, when you thought you were going to take God's place. Like he was going to be like, oh, well, you're God now. Let me get in fellowship with you or something. No. We have to remember he has all authority. He has all power. He establishes his throne with the works of his own hands. So to be included in his works, just like David was in his house, we have to be submitted to the authority of Christ. Again, Romans 13, whosoever resisted, resisted the authority or the powers ordained by God, you resist the ordinance of God and receive damnation unto themselves. See, Satan wants you to receive damnation just like him. And God wants to restore you. So, that leads us right to why was authority set up? And again, you know, the short answer is restoration. But I want you to consider a few things, you know. First, I want you to consider the when, which leads us to the why. And we've seen that authority was set up before the foundations of the world. Turn to, turn to First Peter. I just, I, just, I just love confirming things with Scripture. So let's just, First Peter. Chapter 1.
So again, I said we have to consider the when, which leads us to the why. 1 verse 19. It says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last time for you. That, that's all I wanted to, to read. He was foreordained. Listen. He was preauthorized before the foundations of the world. For what purpose? To be slain. To give up his life. To turn to John chapter 1. We're going to look at a few scriptures here in these last 20 minutes. John chapter 1. And it just says, The next day John see, see Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was preauthorized to do what? To take away the sin of the world. Keep going with me. Now, he's the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father. He's the Lord Jesus Christ in the position of the Godhead. And he was sent not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So again, like I said, yes, the, the short, quick answer is for our restoration. But how, through God's authority, does Jesus save us? If he is the authority, then what's our role? Man's role is, is simple. Submission. Submission to God's established line of authority. Well, look at Adam. He failed. He's a man. Hallelujah. Jesus was a man. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, because where Adam failed in his submission and brought, and, and brought, brought damnation to all, Christ, listen, Christ submitted and he brought us life and peace. <laughs> he taught us submission. We're still in John chapter 1. Because here's the thing when I say Christ submitted. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. See, He was God. Not was God. He is God. But then, he, but then He's a man. Let me, since we're in John 1, let me read verses 1 through 3 here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. See, now we're starting to talk about the Godhead, right? We're talking about one God, but three distinct personalities. And here's the thing about them. There are three distinct personalities, but they're all equal. And here's what I mean when I say they're all equal. Actually, turn to John chapter 17, and I'll, I'll read to you what I, what I mean when I say when they're all equal. John chapter 17, it's just one simple verse. Jesus says in verse 5, it says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That, that's what I mean when I say when they're equal. Yeah, they're three distinct personalities, but they had the same glory. The same worship, the same honor, the same praise, 
before the foundation of the world. And then, we're going to see him submit all that glory, all that honor, all that praise. For what? So that we could be saved. For, for our restoration. Listen, he submitted to authority for our salvation. Turn to Philippians. And this will be the last scripture I go through here. And we're going to sit here for a little bit. Maybe the last scripture. We'll see. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 6. Well, let's start at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God. From the very beginning, he had the nature of God. I want you to understand that. But, for our restoration, what that verse is saying is, he didn't think it. He didn't think it's something to hold a grasp to. It didn't, it's not something that he had to keep a hold of. Why? Because he listen. Christ, he chose to submit. That, that that's the that's the beautiful thing about it. God God the Father didn't force him to. Didn't I tell you submission was a choice? He chose to submit. He said, uh, you know this. You know, my equality with God is not a treasure to be grasped when I'm talking about their restoration. And what does it say in verse 7? It says, but he made of himself no reputation. Uh, that means he stripped himself of his glory. You know, all that stuff that was at the very he was with the Father from the very beginning, he put that down. He was listen. He wasn't looking to be recognized. I mean, listen, nobody would have known who he was unless God revealed it to him back then. He made of himself no reputation. He humbled himself. And it's so amazing to me, right? Because he not only humbled himself in his glory, but he humbled himself and put himself in the fashion of a man. Now, I had to really start thinking about that, right? Because I told you we are going to go back to let us make. He was there when the, the physical body of man was created. He knew he was going to listen. He knew he was going to have to grow up as a baby. And listen, he knew there was hardships at this. Listen, they weren't going to be in fellowship. He was bringing them back to it. He knew all the things he was going to go through as man. You know, all the things that we go through. And he said, you know what? I'm going to put down my glory, my honor, my praise, my worship, and submit to, and choose to submit as the Son of, G, the son of God in the, in the Godhead for our restoration. See, do you see how opposite it is from, listen, we, we want to be as God. God said, I'm putting down my glory. That's what Jesus said. I'm submitting. But we want to come from under submission. I want to be as God. I want to be like the Most High. And when God says, but service is in submission. If you want to serve, you got to submit. Listen, 
If you want to be restored, you have to submit. Remember I said God initiates, but initiation means there has to be a response. He'll move on your darkness, but you've got to respond. Emptied himself of, of, his glo- of, of glory, of power, of position. Listen, emptied himself of his image and deity. Voluntarily, listen, voluntarily chose to lay down, to, to lay down his, listen, never forget that he died for you. <laughs> that was his choice. See how submission brings the heart of a servant? He became a bond servant. That was his choice for our restoration. He wasn't killed. <laughs> he laid down his life before the foundations of the world. It's before the foundations of the world, he submitted to God the Father. <laughs> For our restoration. So again, in the Godhead, there's full harmony. There's equality. But in the orderly arrangement, the Son still has to submit. The Son chooses to submit. In God the Father's orderly arrangement. And guess what? Even the Son knows this. When God arranges something, it's unlawful to change it. <laughs> but why does, why does God the Son have to submit? So the purpose can be fulfilled. Before the foundation of the earth, His purpose was our restoration. So that we can be restored in fellowship with the Father. I think of in, in Isaiah and Hebrews that when, when God says, who will go? The Lord says, I will. I will send me. That's him submitting. Knowing what, what was before him. Knowing that he was going to have to, listen, take a downgrade. Submit himself in glory and fashion himself as a man. And become a servant. So what can we learn from the son, right? What did he do? He put on submission. That's first and foremost. We have to put on submission. He set his heart on becoming a servant. That means no matter what was in front of him, listen, I'm submitted to serve. The scripture says this, and, and, and we need to do this as well. He became obedient unto death. And then if you finish there in Philippians, see, that's not it. What happened after that? God highly exalted him. Hallelujah. See, our submission results in a high, a high exaltation. Restoration is the highest exaltation that we can have. For he has brought us up out of the muck and the miry clay. I'm going to read one more scripture here. Turn to to 1 Peter.
want you to stand. He, the Lord Jesus submitted for our rest, our restoration. God, this is all about God's house. Everything that was set in motion from before the beginning was all about you and you and you and you and little old me. That's a, listen, listen. I'm so glad I, that I don't have that type of power. You know, exousia and dunamis. Because I know I wouldn't do what God did with it. But God having all exousia, all dunamis, says that he wants to restore us. What an awesome God. First Peter. Chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Uh, let me read that differently. Submit yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If you want the restoration God has for you, then stay submitted. Become obedient unto death, just like Christ. Listen, drop trying to be like God. Listen, I love how Minister Martin said it. God is the authority. Settle it. Settle it. Because if you don't settle it, guess what? It's going to give rise to sin in your heart. He's the authority. Settle it. Submit. And he will exalt you in due season. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.